Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I am Jay Warmke. I'm Annie Warmke. Annie, the under the weather Warmke. And yeah. today we're going to talk about some of the headlines that are in, in the world of solar. And, and Annie suggested this because um, I do a weekly show Zoom thing called uh, Solar Noon Tuesdays. And and we do a recap of what's happening in the world of solar. And you're, you're the hippy dippy, the hippy dippy solar news man. guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I thought we would talk about this. Our subtitle here is "How the World Changes Without Us Noticing It." So that's uh, interesting. But this week, actually, there were a lot of things going on that I thought kind of gave an indication of of what's changing, some of the things people are talking about. So I thought that would be interesting. We've done some of these about what are the great innovations of solar that are happening, things to look for in the future. But I thought this is more like a, a micro shot just to say typical week. Yeah, well, solar. the news is different than, you know, but we do have quite a number of podcasts that people want to go back and and uh, listen more deeply into right. the issue of solar. Yeah, there's they're all on uh, solar PV training.com so oh, or spotify yeah, or that, youtube uh, or any of those places yeah, any yeah, platform yeah. Shameless that you plugs. use shameless plugs no it's not shameless <laughs> if people are interested okay so um first item in the news i just want to i don't want to dishearten you but if somebody's listening to this podcast <laughs> they are interested in okay, that it's they, not the other stuff where we're just talking and it's my, probably more interesting to me than you then they could just go. But there's a reason people tune in to this one. Okay. All right. Well, then solar is definitely part of the whole world of sustainability. And of course, I'm a total geek on it. So a lot of this stuff's going to be new to you, Annie, since I haven't really oh, talked I'd to you about this. Be still my heart. I'm holding All back. Right. So number <laughs> one item that I picked in the news this week, there's a, there's a management shakeup at Toledo Solar. Oh um, my, who knew there was a Toledo okay, but this Solar? Has, Wait, this the has, town of Toledo? No, is? no, there's a company called Toledo oh, okay. Solar. Actually, it's kind of interesting because if you look at the world of solar, um, the number one country, far and away the number one country of producing solar panels is... Toledo. No, China. China. <laughs> China. The number two country <laughs> in the world is Ohio. Ohio. We're not a country. I know Jay. we're not a country, but if we were a country, if Ohio was a country, it would be number two wow. in the production of solar we're panels. We're so cool, and people don't even know it. Well, and a lot of this has to do with a huge company up in the Toledo area came out of the University of Toledo called First Solar, and First Solar produces a huge number of uh, solar panels, primarily used for utility scale projects. They don't really sell these utility to, scale, um, meaning like for urban huge. areas. Or... Well, like a utility would buy yeah. them. They put okay. in acres and acres of panels. So as a homeowner, if you wanted to go out and buy a Toledo solar panel, you just not gonna, you're not going to get it. But it's a big company. Well, they've got a competitor that also came out of the University of Toledo called Toledo Solar. And Toledo Solar is trying to get into the market of residential and commercial of this type of solar panel. Well, back in 2004, uh, GEO, Green Energy Ohio, actually working with First Solar, installed solar panels on the mansion of the governor. Then it Ohio's was, uh, governor in Upper Arlington, Ohio. Right, I think, right there Arlington. in Columbus. Yeah. And um, so anyway, they installed those. They've been working fine for, you know, 18 years. They decided now time for an upgrade. 
So they came in, this time they're using Toledo solar panels. So they took off all of the old panels, put on the new panels. Well, a technician from First Solar came to pick up the old panels so they could be recycled because good stewards, right? Found when he or she looked at the new installation, the panels they had actually installed, although they were labeled first our Toledo Solar, they had overwritten the serial numbers. Ah, they were actually first solar panels. Scamming. They were saying they were manufactured in America. They were actually manufactured at First Solar's Malaysian plant. Whoa. So, so then this led to a whole kerfuffle and um, people started investigating and there's a lawsuit and, and all this Our other poor good little stuff. short governor. He probably didn't right. even realize. So, so anyway, no, of course he didn't. No, he, I he mean, wasn't even installing. after they made the, even after they made the So this is a lawsuit. So as a result, the president, the chairman of the board, the secretary, the treasurer, wow, they're, they're all gone, gone, gone at Toledo Solar. And there's the shakeup. But lest you think that first solar <laughs> is, is innocent. Oh, right? no, no, no corporation is <laughs> there innocent. There was in another bit of news, an audit that found they were using slave labor in their Malaysian solar panel production plant. So now they're claiming, okay, this was a third party subcontractor thing that we know nothing about. And maybe to their credit, they did discover well, it. They should, have, they should have known right up front. Well, it's hard to oh, know a on. lot of these no, things. No, it's not. Because so. if you are meeting with these people and they're, they're going to be showing you where you're doing this and the kinds of people I mean, nobody's clean in these places. Well, big business is big business. And, 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 you know, we always say small is beautiful, buy local. This is one of the reasons, even though a company like this may, maybe most of the people who work there have the best intentions. Maybe they're trying to make the world a better place, but there are always going to be practices in any large business that you would be ashamed to tell your mother about. Well, right? my grandma used to say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. She so. made that up. That's great. No, she didn't make it up <laughs> and she didn't even pretend to make it up. But the reality is that, that when you're talking about this, it's a sad commentary that, uh, okay, so the state of Ohio is the largest, second largest solar panel producers, but we're not. They're producing Malaysia. Well, they're, no, they are producing. And, and we'll get to this. They're producing it in Ohio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pan, well, oh, why yeah. would it say Malaysia? Well, they have plants in Ohio. They have plants in Malaysia. They have plants in, I think, Singapore. You know, they have like three manufacturers. Yeah, well, they're just dumb then. Why would they stick? Like, well, it's a global industry. So so yeah. you, you provide plants. Well, specifically, this is the governor's mansion of oh, Ohio yeah, well, trying to utilize an Ohio-based company. That was That was dumb. Yeah, you know, I mean, politically, it's it was suicide, really. Well, and it was probably just somebody, some making, you know, brain dead and, and did something stupid. Well, I assure you, not to drill down too much on this, but having been involved at different levels with government and being the head of NGO, that these decisions, like when, when there's a high-profile project like that, 
everybody in the company helped make that decision. Oh yeah, because I, they want to market it. They want to show that yeah, they're, yeah. they've done this amazing thing and they're Ohio sure. based, you know, let's. But let's I, I suspect them. they finally in the end said, hey, George, go out into the warehouse and grab those panels and take them over to the governor's mansion. They didn't go out and check serial numbers. You know, that's that's just not something they would do. They would do the PR, they would do the, I'll pose for a picture, but I'm not checking serial numbers. So, but why did they have these in their warehouse to begin with? Yeah. That's the real question. Yeah. All right, let's, let's leave that. Let's leave that. Let's leave that one behind. All, All right. right. Good. In the good news, maybe, who knows? We'll find out. Um, there is a recent report um, from, from the uh, Energy Information Administration. This is the U.S. government that tracks these things that said that in, in the first half of 2023, 86% of all of the new energy that was put onto the grid comes from renewables. So that's good. That's right? shocking. 52% was from solar. So solar is king. And basically we're talking about new generating sources put onto the grid. 13% um, came from wind. And a new category that's just showing up really in the last year or so are batteries. And 17% wow. of all of the new energy generating sources were batteries. So a lot of these utilities are putting big battery banks in wow. to, to harness the, the wind and the solar. And then oh, when it's, use when it's it, at its peak. Yeah, so when it's overly abundant. have a, concert or a reserve right. of energy for when they have peak times, right? Right. Which and and has so it's been a lot this year with the incredibly extreme weather that a lot of places have had in this country. Right. And when we get into, um, we've talked about virtual uh, power plants. When you start seeing a lot of electric cars now integrated together and basically amalgamated to form a very large battery bank, that's going to be another storage device that's integrated into the grid. So like if you all lived in the same neighborhood? Or Wouldn't something? even need to be that. It could just be 100,000 cars feeding power into the grid. Oh, power okay. comes off anywhere. the grid. Anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. Okay. So that's that's a future Futurama kind of thing. Uh, future being... Tomorrow. Next year. <laughs> two years from now. <laughs> Quicker um, than AI. Yeah. Now this is one that I know is going to get your goat. Let me find the details here. I don't here. have my goat. Uh, <laughs> a new study. And I think the study um, was, I forget who did the study, but anyway, um, a credible source has found that 80% of all of the capital investment in renewable energy that was made possible by the Inflation Reduction <laughs> yes. Act. It's in red states. It's going to Republican districts and, and they're Republican going to take states. But you know what? Every they, single one of those politicians voted against it. I know, but you know what's incredible? Because I drive through the countryside uh, from our farm to another farm to get a feed, organic feed. And um, there are signs everywhere uh, against solar oh, farms stop on solar, prime stop on prime farm no on prime farmland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's a secondary issue, and I kind of agree with them. Um, in but it's it's being directed by fossil fuel industry saying, okay, here's something yes, we can absolutely. rally people around. But it is it is a, a fair point. You know, well, why are we but, using prime farmland right, for solar so, but first? But that assumes 
and I know a little bit about this because I'm getting ready to consult on a big project that's dealing with this, that um, that assumes that you're not going to keep farming because, for example, the project that I'm looking at has um, hemp growing underneath of the panels and then they're using sheep in the other, uh, it's a community utility scale uh, right. model. And so they're just assuming it can't happen. But countries like France have oh, done yeah. a lot of experimentation with agriculture land being utilized uh, dual purpose, if you will, where there are uh, lots of panels, but then they're growing things and how they're placed on the land right. has a lot to do with It's actually with known that. as agrivoltaics. Right. And, and it's a big thing. Um, and you're right. That's a fair point. But I would say that there's a lot of land out there that could be used for solar first, you know, like they were uh, gray, gray fields, which are concreted um, shopping mall parking lots. Yeah, or um, even brown fields, tons and tons. Yeah, of brown old fields. abandoned industrial sites. There are abandoned uh, coal mines. There are abandoned power plants. There's an awful lot of locations that should get priority. Now, part of the Inflation Reduction Act does give priority to these brownfields. Right. So that's a thing to say, okay, you can get an extra 10% um, tax credit if you develop these. Problem is, typically, if you're a developer, you're going, hey, I want easy access. I want nice flat land. I don't want to have to reclaim yeah, the land. I don't want to have to deal with the Environmental mm -hmm. Protection Agency with all of this mitigation of past you know, uh, sins because I'm going to be disrupting the soil. So you're going, you know what, you know what, actually that nice field of corn there is a nice place for me to go ahead and put solar. I understand their motivation, but I also understand that these people who are saying, let's not take farming out of production, discounting the agrivoltaics thing, have a certain point, but I think most of them are simply being manipulated by fossil fuel. I, I agree. And the, and the greening, corporations love to do the greening thing. But if right. people want to know a little bit more about some of the things that are going on with that, they could um, go online and look up Reimagine Appalachia um, because they're doing a lot of work uh, to try to get in fossil fuel areas um, where buildings like you're describing or uh, pieces of land that are brownfields um, and rooted in the pollution of coal and other fossil fuel extraction processes um, they're doing stuff and they're doing a lot of cool stuff. So it's, if you're interested, check them out. Reimagine Appalachia. Okay. Well, let's take a, a midway through station break here and remind everybody you are listening to when the biomass hit the wind turbine, uh, with Jay and Annie. That's me. Warmke. Yeah. Reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. Thank God. Thank God. Yes. The world as we know it is not sustainable. And I don't know if we're going to get through all these headlines. We've only got through a couple of them here so far. But, um, oh, as the example where the red states thing, the example we have is Tennessee. In the last year, they've had $7 billion invested of capital expenditures in, in green energy or renewable energy, primarily electric vehicles, storage, solar. This represents 80% of all of the capital investment in that state. So so 80% is clean energy in a Right. And it's very cool state. not to belabor this, but um, that is a part of Appalachia. Mm -hmm. And um, and the uh, reimagine Appalachian people really when they when the bills were written and passed, 
they put things in, they were able to get in things like must pay a living, uh, a prevailing wage. So that's sure. union influence. Woohoo. That's good. Uh, and also American made products. And yeah. I don't know how they're monitoring that, but this has the potential to be a real game changer, particularly for rural communities. Right. And, and that's why we're seeing a lot of this activity taking place in red states makes perfect sense. We're moving manufacturing back to America. So the places that have available workers, available infrastructure, you know, you're not going to do it in the middle of New York City. You're going to say, all right, let's find a place. All right, well, let's jump to the well, next one here. Well, we shouldn't care here. if it's a red state or a blue state I don't because care. that money is, is available to every state. It just depends sure. on who's bought enough of their Congress. Yeah, <laughs> we need to we need to be better at buying off. Politicians. Yeah, but we aren't we aren't good. OK, really. so a uh, new analysis by S&P Global Commodities Insight. This time I have the actual name. Um, I found this very encouraging. They're basically saying that by 2042, 75 percent of the um, energy consumed in the United States will come from renewable sources. That includes transportation. It includes what buildings. What year is this? 2042. Oh, 42. But they're saying that number is locked in. They're saying Whoa. regardless of policies, regardless it'll be of at least price, that. it'll be at least that. Wow. So, so they're just basically saying that is the base. But they are saying that to meet the goals, because Biden's goals are much more aggressive than that. Right. They're looking at 80% by 2030 and 100% by 2035. Now, this study is saying, uh, you know what, that's probably not realistic because in order to meet these goals, we've got to have a significant investment in hydrogen, in, in high-tech nuclear, in um, carbon sequestration, in, in a lot of these kind of technologies uh, that are not going to get the investment if fossil fuel prices remain low. Um, I think there's some serious barriers to hydrogen development, so I, I agree with them there. Uh, nuclear you know, fine, unless something goes wrong and something always and we're goes all wrong, dead. you know, and, and so I think realistically, perhaps by 2040, we might see 80%, but fossil fuels will be with us for a good long time, but always diminishing, you know, um, going to employ a lot of child labor to reach their goals, aren't they? Uh, I don't know where you jump to that one. <laughs> oh, because, because this, the Ohio being second in the production of solar panels and they have children producing them. This is the thing, you know, solar panels in Ohio produced by no, children. They're not in Ohio, but right. they are being produced well, and brought here. And my point is this, that all of this isn't always a great, no, it's not thing. all green sunshine and unicorns, but, but we are seeing the majority of the manufacturing is being shipped back to the United States. I, I think what the COVID pandemic showed people in in some sense of power, whatever you want to call that, is this idea of a global economy and just-in-time inventory and things of that nature simply doesn't work because any disruption causes massive disruptions. Yeah. And we're in a world where, you know, we're always on a knife's edge. You know, there's always the next big flat well, tire. Well, we're not living resiliently right. at any level. And that's what COVID showed us. Yeah. So so now we're saying, okay, well, if the U.S. wants a dependable um, source of solar, a dependable source of microchips, a dependable source of all of these things that are essential to our economy, we better have it locally where we have the political control. Right. 
but what about, about where are we going to get all those rare minerals to produce all that stuff? Well, that's changing. And I've actually that I'll jump to that one. All okay. right. I'll jump to that one because there's a new company opening up in Indianapolis, right? Indiana, Indiana, right? Uh, it's a, it's, it's a Singapore based company. Um, it's called, I've got it written here somewhere. Um, it is, is Byla, Byla oh, Solar, Byla Solar. And they're going to be manufacturing a glassless, frameless, thin silicone um, solar panel. Uh -huh. So basically this thing is 70% lighter than a typical solar panel. It's about 95% thinner. So uses much less materials. Its primary ingredients are essentially silicon and, and some silver um, because that's what the wires are made of. Right. So that's been one of the issues is how do you begin to reduce all the metal costs, the glass costs, well, the extraction. Like that. I mean, silver is a horrible Well, process. silver, silver is available. We'll get all those old yeah, but it's uh, still a horrible Ben Franklin process. dollars and we'll melt them down and make solar. Um, and, and, uh, you know, when we get into lithium issues, the Salton yeah. Sea in Southern California has essentially been determined to be like the Saudi Arabia of lithium. Right. And, and the U.S. may become the world's largest source of lithium. So that's encouraging. And it's in a place that's already destroyed. Mess, yeah. <laughs> so so that's not like we're going to be disrupting prime farmland. So, you know, there's yeah, there's the need for a lot of these things. But but the mineral access, because all of these are being made out of things that are very abundant. Silicon is a very abundant. Um, material, but now we're moving into like perovskite and some of these other thin film technologies. Uh, first solar is a thin film. So, so these things only use, it's like spray paint, you know, you're not using a lot of material in these solar panels. So, so that's a, that's an area that we're moving to. Um, and then, oh, the, speaking of the global world there, um, there has been a lawsuit that's been working its way through the courts. And again, all of this is news from this week. So it gives you a sense of, of how the industry is changing and modifying. This lawsuit was brought by Axum Solar. And basically what they said, let me back up because you're confused. No, um, I'm, not, I'm not confused. Okay, I was so trying to think of where I had heard of Axum Solar. Axum Solar, probably this lawsuit. It's been around for a while. Um, China years ago decided we want to capture the solar marketplace. Right. And so governmentally, they subsidized the development of silicon, the development of making solar cells, solar panels, and literally they have become the dominant source of, of all of these materials. China represents 83% of all the world's polysilicon. That's the refined silicon that people use to make computer chips and also solar panels. They are 96% of all of the solar wafers and 75 or 79% of all the solar cells and about 70% of the world's modules. So China is in a dominant, dominant position. Yeah, but aren't they pretty vulnerable if they're being subsidized by the government? Well, and, and that's, that's always an issue. And in fact, what happened is back, I think it was 2012, um, they were found to be dumping at below cost prices solar panels in the United States, which put American producers out of business because I can't compete against a subsidized product. 
And, and so there was action taken. And in fact, eventually during the Trump administration, they put in tariffs right. against solar panels coming from China. So what did China do? They moved some of their production facilities to Thailand, Vietnam, Malaysia, and Cambodia. Right. I'm familiar with all So that. then there was a lawsuit brought by Axum saying, guys, pretty transparent. You know, I mean, it's Chinese panel manufacturers with Chinese labor. All they did is just sort of picked up their plant and stuck it in another country. They're simply trying to avoid the tariffs. So that then led to the possibility that there would be serious fines um, if you bought panels from these companies. And they represented like 80% of the panels available. So you might be buying a million dollars worth of solar panels and then finding out you have a million dollar fine because you bought them from these companies. So what happened is all these companies just said, forget it, I'm not buying. And from China, from any of those plants, which was 80% of the market. So there was a severe and sudden disruption in the supply chain of solar panels and the price skyrocketed and nobody could get them. And it would be months trying to get these solar panels. So then the Biden administration stepped in and said, you know what? We're going to put a two year moratorium on these fines as we try and get manufacturing established here domestically in the US. So don't worry about it. You're not going to get penalized if you buy these things. Um, and then in the meantime, they found out that the Chinese were using slave labor in the Uyghur district for all of this. And then they said, oh, well, we're not going to import anything from that district, which caused another disruption. But then the Inflation Reduction Act came along and a lot of the manufacturing is moving here. But it takes a year, two years to set up a, a plant. So all of these things started happening. Well, then what happened is China said, well, we can't sell these things to the U.S. Let's sell them to Europe. So they're dumping all these things into Europe and Europe's prices are going down. The U.S.'s prices going up a little bit. Um, it, it, it's a mess. And now China is saying, just like Russia did when Europe refused to buy natural gas or they threatened to cut them off if they supported the Ukraine, China's going, you know what, America, we might just cut you off. And that's causing some disruption. So it's basically forcing everything to become domestically manufactured, which is good for American workers, good for the industry. Absolutely. But it's going to increase the price of some of these things in the short term. But we keep seeing technology changing and developing to where prices are constantly going down. But there's got to be a limit. There will be a limit at some point. Well, and our government is doing some subsidizing, like in poor neighborhoods and stuff, where they're making solar available um, in in different ways so that they're actually paying for part of the installation, and especially with right. la- landlords and things. So yeah, all there of is the something, tax. as you say, it hap- there's all this stuff happening over here, but then there's things happening over here too. Well, and and this is part of a a what to my eyes are is a logical and pretty clever um plan by by the administration right now to completely change and revamp our electrical system. And all these tax policies are going together. They're trying to incentivize it. They've got a carrot and stick approach. And I think a couple decades from now we're going to look back at this period and say, you know what, that was pretty amazing. Just like the development of the interstate highway system changed America, this is as big a project to change the way our electrical grid um, moves and, and processes and how things are developed and 
Uh, I mean, it's it's astounding. It's going to be right. It's it's pretty amazing. And those guys, you know, pretty clever. I think. Yeah, and the administration's doing the same thing with broadband with poorer people as well, trying to well, get them online. Uh, let's using hope. the internet. Yeah. So there's right. stuff going on, on at every level that's positive. Okay. Well, you have been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. We want to thank our always evolving and always changing producer, Adam Rich. <laughs> and we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and eat your veggies, Jay. That's super important. All right. Till next time. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockStation.com. Blue Rock Station.